Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with you. We'd like to start our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has uh, many, many titles. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. Mary is also the Mother of each and every one of us. When we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary also as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So in this uh, octave of Christmas, in which Mary plays a very prominent role, let's uh, turn to Mary and let's pray the prayer that she loves most. And that's the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's lift up our hearts and our minds to our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. We want to beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of help. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, I would like to um, invite all of us to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He's also known as the Gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of the soul. 
Holy Spirit is also known as the interior master. He's also known as the counselor as well as consoler. So, let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And also to rely upon him to help us in our prayer life. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, reminds us with these words. He says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. So that we can say, Abba. And Abba means Daddy or Father. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to enlighten us, to strengthen us, and to set our hearts on fire with love of God himself, as we say. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and never rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. God's holy innocence, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So I'd like to welcome all of you to our Perseverance family and as always I'd like to offer my prayers for all of you. I'd like to offer you my prayers in what is what I like to call the Opus Dei, the work of God, the greatest work of God, which is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to deposit all of you on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass placing you and all of your intentions there on the patent, on the altar. And what I'd like to do then is uh, pray, first of all, for our pursuit of holiness. That God wants us to strive for holiness, as Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Jesus also says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for holiness. They will be filled. 
My second intention of great importance in honor of the Holy Family whose feast day we celebrated on Sunday, I'd like to offer special intention for your families, for your children, for your teenagers, for your whole family fabric. That God will bless you in a special way. Especially I'd like to pray for your children and your teenagers that they will not be confused by what they're learning in the modern school system. And if erroneous ideas are being taught to your children, it's incumbent upon you as parents to educate them well. To educate your children properly in the realm of, of faith and doctrine and morals. And as Vatican II points out, as well as the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the Fourth Commandment, that the first and primary educators for children are the parents. That's right. Your parents are the primary educators of your children. And you should never renege or be derelict in that primary obligation that God has given to you, which flows from the sacrament of holy matrimony. So let's pray in this special way for your children and your your teenagers that they would not be confused, but rather have great clarity of of purpose as to who they are, what's the purpose of life, where they're heading, and how to get there. We might call that the principle and foundation of our lives. The last intention I'd like to pray for all of us that we would have a strong, fervent desire to want to pray more and to pray better. Interesting, we're on vacation when we do have more free time. It's often the time in which we we pray least, and it should be the other way around. So my encouragement for all of you, my brief catechetical point would be, maybe learn this prayer. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, make my heart like unto yours. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, assist me in my last agony. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, I breathe forth my soul unto thee. Most sacrament, most holy. Most sacrament divine. All praise and all thanksgiving. Be every moment thine. So you might even rely at times upon vocal prayer to help you to go 
deeper into your relationship with God. Never to underestimate the importance of a vocal prayer. Vocal prayer. Very good, my friends. So we have we have very much to cover as always in a relatively short period of time. Time flies when you're in good company, right? So true. Time flies when we're in good company in our perseverance family group and that's what it is. It's It's a family that we're forming. A virtual but a very real family. Not to be paradoxical or contradictory but it is a real real family that we belong to so we're praying for each other for our perseverance and love for God and we want to bring our our family our children with us so very good my friends let's just let's go through uh, let's give a recap where we're heading and then a very important feast day today we're in what is called the the octave of Christmas. So we celebrate Christmas and then seven days after that, the octave means eight, we are celebrating the birthday of Christ. But there are special feast days. So Friday we we entered into Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve Mass, into the Christmas day, the Christmas season. Saturday was Christmas. There happen to be three different Masses for Christmas. These three different Masses would be the Mass, the Vigil Mass, the Mass at Dawn, and the Mass during the day. I celebrated three Masses for Christmas because the Church allows us as priests to celebrate three separate Masses. No greater action than to go to Mass and to celebrate Mass. Then after Christmas, the Sunday after Christmas, the Church always celebrates a very important feast day. And it's the feast day of the Holy Family. That Holy Family is Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. Here we have a picture, rather a depiction of the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. In that, of course, we're talking about how we can fortify our own families. Yesterday, I was in Esne TV, Mujeres de Encuentro, and we talked about the Holy Family and how we can be faithful to our own vocation, how we can be faithful to our vocation And most of our vocation is that in the context of our own family. So, Holy Family. Then, the day after, which happened to be yesterday, we celebrated one of the greatest saints in our Catholic Church. Of course, the greatest is St. Joseph. But yesterday we celebrated the feast day of St. John the Evangelist. That's right. Known as the beloved disciple of the Lord. St. John the Evangelist 
there's so many graces that flow from getting to know the saints. He was the youngest of the Lord's followers, a virgin disciple. He was a fisherman called to be a fisher of men. He left everything to follow Christ. He was present at the key moments of our life, uh, the life of our Lord, when he, when Jesus rose, Lazarus, rather, um, the daughter of Jairus from the dead, at the Transfiguration, as well as in the Garden of Gethsemane, John, Peter, James, and John were present. John leaned his head on our Lord's heart at the Last Supper. St. John also was there on Calvary, underneath the cross, with Mary and Mary Magdalene. He was there when our Lord's heart was pierced with the lance. And a primary importance in honor of St. John was the fact that Jesus chose 72 disciples, 12 apostles, and of the twelve apostles, he chose three to be in his inner group, his inner circle. And they were Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John were in the inner circle, the, the best friends of Christ. Of those three, Peter and John were his two best friends. But between Peter and John, John was our Lord's best friend. Very important. So we can be begging for the grace in honor of St. John that Jesus will be our best friend. We would strive in our lives to grow in our friendship with him. There's a beautiful portrait. Jesus el amigo que nunca falla. Jesus indeed is the friend and he will never fail us. Never in our lives will, we, will he fail us. We fail him, but he never fails us. Finally, with St. John the Evangelist, who took Mary into his home, we renew our devotion to Mary through the intercession of St. John. Of course, in the Bible, he was one of the most important writers in the Bible. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, his gospel of 21 chapters. Then he also wrote three relatively short letters in the New Testament. And tradition has it for many years that John is the author of the book of Revelation, or the also known as the Book of Apocalypse. The symbol that's given to him is that of an eagle. Why an eagle? Because an eagle soars higher than the other birds. And the eagle perches his nest on the top of the mountain. So this, this eagle symbol represents the fact that his thoughts in the gospel are very sublime. 
They're very mystical. They're very deep. They're very profound. Rightfully so, because he knew Jesus and Mary after St. Joseph better than anyone else, really. Let's beg St. John the Evangelist for the Ignatian grace of intimate knowledge of Christ that we would love him more ardently and that we would follow him more closely. So there we have it. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Feast Day of Holy Family, St. John. One other thing should be said is December 26th is also the feast day of St. Stephen. Last night I was watching EWTN and one of their correspondents was in Austria, close to a very beautiful, beautiful cathedral in honor of St. Stephen, who's honored by many countries. St. Stephen was a proto-martyr the first martyr, he was stoned to death. You can read this in the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 7 and 8. So let's move into the feast day that we celebrate today. So I'd like to give you a, a summary of the Gospel for today. Okay, the name of the feast day we celebrate today is the feast day of the Holy, Holy Innocents. Los Santos Innocentes. The Holy Feast Day of the Holy Innocents. Biblically, I'd like to give you the biblical passage this is very much related to the feast day of the of the Magi, the three kings. So I'll give you the overall context and then we can uh, glean some very positive, powerful lessons from the feast day of the Holy Innocents. Okay, the Magi have traveled from the east following the star they don't arrive at Jesus right away. Rather, the star is leading them to the palace of King Herod. So these somewhat exotic kings from the east ask at Herod's household, where is the newborn king? So the whole household of Herod and Herod himself are thrown into confusion. So the three kings are brought into the presence of King Herod, a master politician, an evil man, very insecure, aware that a lot of his subjects don't really like him, trying to protect his kingdom. And he talks to them somewhat shocked or even surprised or even shocked at these three kings that have come from the east. They say, where was the new king to be born? We have seen this star. So, Herod 
to make a long story short, tells them to leave. And once they have found that king, to come back to him so that he can pay him homage. You know, of course, Herod was, he was lying. He had no intention whatsoever of paying homage to the newborn king. He wanted to be king. And he didn't want anyone to take away his kingship. So he sends the king, the kings off In this context, we have once again St. Joseph. St. Joseph has another dream which the angel tells St. Joseph to get up and to flee into Egypt because Herod wants to kill the infant child. So, the Magi instead of returning by the same route and telling King Herod where the infant child Jesus was born, the kings are inspired to take an an alternative route. So St. Joseph is warned by the angel to get up and take the child Jesus and flee into Egypt. The kings are inspired to take an alternative route. Now once King Herod recognized that he's been deceived by the Magi, he becomes furious. He's infuriated. And what he does is and how how ugly this is, how how diabolical this is, is Herod, he orders the, the massacre, the murder of all the boy children two years and younger. All those who live in Bethlehem and its vicinity two years old and under. In accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. And then there was a prophecy by Jeremiah where he says, a voice was heard in Rama, sobbing and loud lamenting, Rachel weeping for her children. She would not be consoled, since they are no more. Well, there you have a prophecy from Jeremiah, hundreds of years before, as to this event. So there's a lot involved in this. A lot of different characters involved in this. You have the Magi following the star. You have the Magi arriving at the palace of King Herod. You have St. Joseph 
having the dream of the angel. We have the Holy Family. And this is the this is really what's happening. This is the gospel for today. Joseph is traveling with Mary into Egypt to save the child. This uh, depiction is exactly what is the gospel for today. Then you have you have as a result of this furious, wicked king, Herod, he sends the soldiers in his army to go into Bethlehem and its vicinity and to kill the innocent babies, two years of age and younger. And to murder them in the presence of their own mothers or fathers. I was looking at a picture of this this morning when you saw this strong soldier with a dagger and the mother is clinging to her little child. We know what's going to happen is that the soldier is going to, is going to rent the child from the mother and to kill the child in the presence of the mother. Today is a very powerful, powerful reading. It's a very powerful, powerful reading. I heard that how many children were killed. I heard estimates given that where Jesus lived, there were not too many people between 20 and 26. Between 20 and 26 children were killed. They could have even killed little girls. They could have even done that also. Not being aware if the little child was a boy or a girl, they could have even done that. See how very ugly this is. How very ugly this is, the the killing of these innocents. Feast of the Holy Innocents. Now, December 26th, we celebrate St. Stephen. St. Stephen, who's known as the proto-martyr, the first martyr that shed his blood for Christ. But in a certain sense, these holy innocents even preceded St. Stephen. These holy innocents, my friends, these holy innocents, my friends, they're saints and they're martyrs. In a certain sense, they shed their blood to save our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not even being aware of it. They suffered a short time 
because by being just slain by a sword, their life was over, over, snuffed out in an instant. And now they're with God in heaven for all eternity. Having unawares giving their life for the, for the safety and salvation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's what we celebrate today. We celebrate the feast day of the Holy Innocents. There are actually many topics that we can develop or themes we can develop from this. Two of the most obvious topics that we can derive from the Feast Day of the Holy Innocents would be the two. And it would be the reality of abortion because these holy innocents they were killed being innocent. And that's really what happens when there's an abortion. You have the killing of innocent babies were not given the God-given right to live. And the second would be that of the whole concept of suffering. The suffering as well as why is it the why is it there is suffering in the world? Why do we have to suffer? Why do the innocent have to suffer? What are the different forms of suffering? So, with all of you in our Perseverance family, instead of focusing my talk on the abortion topic, which we'll be, we'll be talking about that in the future, I would like to use the Feast Day of the Holy Innocents to talk about the whole meaning of suffering. So that'll be the few minutes we have at our disposition. Let's talk about the meaning of suffering. The meaning of suffering. Many years ago, when I entered into the University of Villanova in Philadelphia my first year, uh, the Catholic college uh, run by Augustinian priests. Remember my first semester, I had history and English and French and uh, mathematics and I think there was other maybe of course I think on philosophy first class I had on religion was called comparative religions I had somewhat of a zany teacher kind of very unique so to speak 
And one of the things that I gleaned from that class in Comparative Religions, and this was back in 1974, I guess I'm betraying my age, <laughs> is uh, we went through a textbook studying the religions of the world and just a kind of a glimpse at all the religions, the major religions of the world. And they would be Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, the Persian religion, Zoroastrianism, Japanese religion, Shintoism, uh, then Islamism, then there was uh, Judaism, and then there was Christianity. And the different branches of Christianity, you had the Protestantism, you'd have the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox. Then finally, Catholicism. And what was interesting, of all those different world religions, only one takes the bull by the horn, so to speak, and gives an explanation of suffering. That's right. And that is Catholicism. Catholicism is really the only religion that gives an interpretation of suffering and giving a positive interpretation of suffering at that. The other is simply would either sidestep it or not be able to understand it at all. And think about our modern society. Our modern society tries to eliminate suffering at all costs as the worst evil. And not to say to diminish suffering, to try to eliminate suffering in as much as is possible is wrong. I'm not saying that. Even those who are who are suffering very much, the church allows for what is called palliative medicine. What is palliative medicine? It means medicine that can be used to assuage or to appease or to diminish the excruciating effects of certain sufferings. So there's nothing wrong with taking an aspirin, having operations, using morphine if you're really suffering. Not to the point of killing anyone, that would be wrong. That would be that'd be suicide. So what I'm really trying to present is uh the, the church has never spoken out against those who try to alleviate suffering. That's what doctors and nurses do in hospitals. However, suffering is inevitable and at times, no matter what we do to suffering, there's still, still offering suffering remains in one form or another. So suffering... For we as Catholics, it's neither good nor bad, it's neutral, but it all depends on what, what we do with our suffering. 
I repeat, it's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It depends on what we do with our suffering. I've coined this one-liner, suffering either makes us better or bitter. That's true. Suffering makes us either better or bitter. How true? It either makes us better or bitter. Most people do not understand suffering as a means of sanctification. So remember that course in comparative religions that only Catholicism gives a, a positive interpretation to suffering. Then, before entering into my junior year in the university in the summer, remember it's 1976, two years later, I had been doing a lot of reading. I was an English major, so I was doing a lot of reading on various topics. And I had a professor that gave me permission to do a tutorial on the Rhineland mystics. And I was reading some of John Lacrosse, and I was reading Padre Pio, and I was reading on the concept of a, what's called a, um, a victim soul. So I was doing some reading on that topic in those uh, those two years. But that summer, 1976, related to our topic, there was a Eucharistic Congress that was taking place in the city of Philadelphia, where I was studying. And my spiritual director was a lay professor at the university. He saw that I was already showing signs of a priestly religi religious vocation. He said, you ought, to, you ought to come to the Eucharistic Congress. My parents lived in Massachusetts. He said, you can spend the night in my home. So I accepted and the Eucharistic Congress was wonderful. There were some excellent talks on the topic of the Eucharist, wonderful Masses. Mother Teresa was there. Pope Paul VI was planning on coming, but he was not feeling good. And it was a wonderful experience for me, the Eucharistic Congress. And from that, the theme song was You satisfy the hungry hearts with gift of finest sweet. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. That was the theme song of the Eucharistic Congress of 1976. I love that song. You satisfy the hungry hearts with gift of finest wheat. Beautiful theme song. And in that Eucharistic Congress, if you've ever been at one, they had tables outside 
the building where they had the Eucharistic Congress in which various, today they're called ministries, back then they would call them apostolates, would be presenting their ministry, their apostolate, and inviting people to become involved or at least to become cognizant, aware of these different apostolates. And I remember visiting, just walking and visiting these different tables. And there would have been the Focolares from Carolubic, the Neo Catechumens of, of Kiko, then there was a catechetical table, then there were the Charismatics, then there was the um, Comunione Liberazione. Uh, and I think that there was the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum, a lot of different, a lot of different tables with literature and apostolate and someone manning the table to be able to give the literature and to explain their apostolate or ministry. But the one that impressed me most was the following, related to our topic of suffering. Sitting at one table was a relatively young man and he was sitting at the table in the big um, banner said Apostolate of Suffering. So you had the different titles that were replaced with these big banners. Apostolate of Suffering. And I, it piqued my interest. What does this Apostolate of Suffering mean? What does this mean? I didn't really understand. So I drew close to him and he noticed he was sitting not in a chair but he was sitting in a wheelchair. This piqued my interest all the more. Why was this young man sitting in a wheelchair and he had this big banner that said the Apostle of Suffering. What the heck does this mean? So I drew close and he asked the young man, can you explain to me what is, your, what is the meaning of this uh, Apostle of Suffering that you're promoting? And very willingly, he said, well, this is what happened. I'm sure I'm not, getting all, I'm not getting all the details right, but I'll try to give you the essence of what, what, what transpired in this conversation. Is I got in a, I got in a car accident years ago, he must have been maybe about in his early 30s. I got in a car accident years ago and uh, the car accident has left me paralyzed such that I'll, I'll never be able to walk again. The doctors have said that there's no way to, to heal me in such a way that I'll be able to be mobile, to be able to walk again. 
And what he said was, uh, it was very difficult for me as a young man, and it seemed as if all my hopes went up in, went up in, in, in smoke. What, what am I going to be doing the rest of my life? So the prayer and discernment and the presence of the Holy Spirit, I came to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion that I was called not to give in to despair or to throw the towel in and to give up. But rather, I was called to not reject my cross, but to accept my cross. And the cross of suffering that God has asked me to carry was that in my physical condition, that there's no remedy, which I would be basically immobile, paralyzed from my waist down, not able to walk. And even though this was a bitter pill to swallow, very difficult for me, in time I recognized that this was God's will. It was something that I never planned. I never foresaw. I was not planning to get in this car accident. But here I am. Here I am now in front of this huge worldwide Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia, one of the most prominent cities in the country, if not the world. Here I am. Here I am promoting this new apostolate, the apostolate of suffering. And I was, my friends, I was, I was just blown away. I was fascinated by this man and his suffering. Now, I had been doing some reading on John of the Cross, on Josefa Menendez, and I was aware of the Fatima message, and I was talking this out with my spiritual director. I had some head knowledge. That's right. I had some, I had some head knowledge of the reality of suffering. But now it became a reality in talking to this person. Very humble, soft-spoken, a man that just impressed me very, very much. He impressed me very, very much. Now, this being said, I'd like to apply this to ourselves. Now face it, all of us, all of us, we all have our sufferings, right? We all have our sufferings. We all have our crosses to carry. 
all of us. We happen to be in this perseverance family together in which we're trying to pray for each other, encourage each other, give some hopefully good solid teaching to advance in our knowledge of our faith. But still, we all we all have our 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 sufferings, we all have our crosses to carry. And I said earlier, either suffering either makes us better or bitter. There is no other possibility. Suffering either makes us a better person or a bitter person. So I invite all of you today, myself included, on the feast day of the Holy Innocents, to step back and to look at your own life. And beg for the grace to recognize what are the what is the you might even put it this what what are the three major crosses that you have in your life you, because you probably have more than one you have a major cross and maybe two minor crosses usually the way it is we don't simply have one cross but we've got we've, we've got more than one. The cross can be seen in any many shapes or forms or sizes, but we all have a cross. And Jesus himself said, whoever wants to be my follower, he must renounce himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Whoever does, deny, do not, whoever does not deny himself and pick up his cross cannot be my follower. Jesus said that. So name it, Claim it and tame it, you might say. Identify what it is. What your cross is. Identify it. Name it, claim it, and tame it. Then, once you name the cross you claim the cross and you tame it, your cross is going to have infinite value. Maybe some of you have heard the story of the man that was complaining about the cross he was carrying. He was complaining, suffering from what I said, complainitis. He was complaining about it. So God sent his angel and said, okay, you can choose your cross. So his garden angel took him out to a, an expanse of wide field where, which was filled with crosses. And the garden angel said, you can choose your cross. So he went and he started to try different crosses. First one he said, this is too light. Second, uh, this one is too heavy. 
third, uh, this has this is too sharp. There's too many splinters. This one, no, this 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 smells bad. No, this one, color green, I don't like. So the field was very expansive, and he he was trying out a lot of different crosses. A lot of different crosses. And none of them really seemed to suit him. Until one day he saw a cross that was glimmering in the future, in the distance. And he ran up to the cross he looked at the cross. He placed the cross on his shoulder. And he started to walk with the cross and he felt, hey, this cross I think I can carry. I like this cross. So he turned to his guardian angel He turned to his garden angel and said to his garden angel, this now, this is the cross I really think that I can carry. This is the cross I, I think I can carry. I like this cross. And his garden angel said to him, my friend, that was your cross. That was your cross. My friends, we all have our crosses to carry. Let's pray for the grace not to reject the cross that God has given to us. But to accept the cross. And invite Jesus and Mary to help us to carry the cross. Because if we carry the cross with Christ, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi be your prayer and be my prayer. And that prayer of St. Francis of Assisi is this. We adore you O Christ, and we bless you. Because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. And I'd like to bless you all now with the sign of the cross so that all of us will beg the Lord for the grace to patiently carry our cross because our cross will lead us to the glory of the resurrection. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless all.